Welcome to Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dom went from a life of organized crime to federal prison. There, God saved him and set him free. Soon after his release, he attended seminary and received his master's degree and is now the senior pastor of Desert Sky Baptist Church, where he serves with a passion for biblical theology right here in Casa Grande. Now let's join our host, Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. He's Pastor Dominic Romaldi with Street Talk Theology. We take theology and bring it to the streets. Second part, Jacob, a man controlled by his creed. Enjoy it in Jesus' name. I mean, you can't make this stuff up in a bet. You see how the Word of God is living and active. Be careful how much you take from the world, lest the world own you. Remember Lot's wife. She didn't leave her heart in San Francisco like Tony Bennett. She left her heart in Sodom. And the Bible says she turned to a pillar of salt because her heart was there. And here we see Jacob is above board with Laban. He's on his forthright. Jacob tells him, I will pass to your flock, verse 31, and basically request to Laban, the least of the flocks, verse 32, one that is spotted and speckled, I'll use for mating. But according to Hamilton, sheep and goats in that era were normally white or black in the Mediterranean world. So Jacob's speckled breed would be inferior animals. That's what Jacob requests. Jacob is requesting the least of Laban's flock. And Jacob says, by way of honesty, if you find any solid colored sheep or goats, you can consider them stolen. So Laban being Laban agrees, but like most tyrants, they have an underhanded way about them. So all the irregular sheep that Jacob would work with, he stole. In fact, as we read Laban's sons taking them away on a three-day journey, separating them from Jacob, so Jacob would have to work with the white or the black sheep, which he already said, if you find any of them on me, you can whatever. And these won't produce what Jacob wants to produce. But remember, if God is for us, Who can be against us? Let's go to verse 37. I got to listen. This is listen. Even I know Harlan worked on a farm and all that stuff. But this is this is crazy stuff we're going to read. So I had to do some homework on this stuff. But um, we'll find out that this is a God thing anyway. But but let's read it. It's kind of interesting. Harlan, this would have been a great Bible, a Bible study conversation this morning. Right. These guys really picked on me in Bible study today. So uh, just in case, uh, let me start in verse 37. Whoa, wait a minute. Thir- no, no, no. I want to go to third. What am I at? 30 and 37. That's where I'm at. This is the note. So remember, there's three types of trees here. So you got to think about, I'm going to give you, and let me give you some hints before I read this. It'll be helpful. There's three type, types of trees and l- the word white, means Laban in the Hebrew. So the word, so in other words, when you, when we read this, so I'm just trying to help you understand this. Now watch this. Three types of trees and the word white actually in the Hebrew is Laban. Then Jacob took fresh rods of poplar and almond trees and plane trees, three different types of trees, and he peeled Laban or white strips in them exposing the white which was in the rods. And he set the rods which he had peeled in front of the flocks in the trough, that is, in the watering channels, where the flocks came to drink, and they mated when they came to drink. 
So the flocks mated by the rods, and the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs he made, the flocks faced toward the striped and all the black of the flock of Laban, and he set his own herds apart and did not set them with Laban's flock. Now it be that whenever the stronger of the flock were mating, Jacob would place the rods inside of the flock in the trough so that they may mate by the rods. But when the flock was feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger were Jacob's. So the man spread out exceedingly and had large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. If you can explain that perfectly, you need to be up here and I need to be there, right? Let me help you a little bit. Now, a lot of this is foreign to us. As we read this text, like Hamilton depicts, if Jacob is going to increase his flocks, he has to get solid color sheep and goats and produce striped or multicolored sheep or goats. So Hamilton is helpful. Jacob took three trees and peeled them in such a way that there were white strips on them, and he placed them in the water trough where the sheep drink. The word white means Laban. And after the solid colored goats came to drink, as Hamilton says, surprise, surprise, here comes the spotted sheep and goats. But later Jacob would have a dream and find out this was the hand of God. But this is how, this is what he did here. Remember one of the promises of Bet, when he was at Bethel, you shall spread out to the east and the west and the north and the south, as we have read here in verse 43. So the man spread out exceedingly. All this is happening by a miracle of God who can do exceedingly abundantly all that we can ask or think. And then in 41 and 42, Hamilton depicts Jacob uses the same method selectively. This knowledge is given to him by God and the fruit does not fall from far from the tree. God eventually give his son Joseph the same gift almost to interpret dreams. Now watch, we're going to get to this in a second. This is important. But remember what Joseph told Pharaoh, it is God that only can interpret dreams. He is the giver of the gift and he gets the glory, not me or not us. Basically any gifting that God has given to the church is not because of your own ingenuity. It's because by the gracious act and gifts of God. If you're a good Bible teacher, if you're a good preacher, if you are good in hospitality, if you're good in whatever, that is a gift from God. Don't steal God's glory. Now, Jake, this stuff happens. This is foreign to us. And people will say, well, you know, how can this be? We're going to learn from the scripture how this can be. Let's go to 31, read 16 verses. Almost done here in Genesis, and we'll get to New Testament, and you guys can go eat and enjoy your Lord's day. But 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 let me let's let's read this and let's get the explanation of what's happening. Then Jacob heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob has taken away all that belong to our father, and from what belonged to our father, he has made all his wealth. And Jacob saw the face of Laban, and behold, it was not friendly toward him as formerly. Then Yahweh said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers, and as your kin, and I will be Emmanuel, I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to his flock in the field. And he said to them, I see your father's face. That's not friendly toward me as formerly, but God of my father has been with me. 
You also know that I served your father with all my power, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. However, God did not allow him to harm me. If he spoke thus, the speckle shall be your wages. Then all the flock bore speckled. And if he spoke thus, the stripe shall be your wages. And all the flock bore stripe. Thus God has delivered your father's livestock and given them to me. Now here it is. Now it happened at the time when the flock were mating that I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream and behold the male goats which were mating with the striped, speckled and mottled. The angel of God said to me in a dream, Jacob, and I said, here am I. He said, lift up your eyes and see that all the male goats which are mating are striped, speckled and mottled for I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. Praise God. I am the God of Bethel. I'm the one who spoke to you at the ladder, right? You, where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me, now arise, leave this land and return to the land of your kin. Then Rachel and Leah said to him, do we still have any portion or inheritance in our father's house? Are we not counting to him as foreigners? For he has sold us and has entirely consumed our purchase price. Surely all the riches which God has delivered over to us from our father belongs to us and our children. Now then do whatever God has said to you. Listen, great stuff. I've mentioned on many occasions how God is in control of everything in this world. Here the divine author shows how God was with Jacob every step of the way. First, Jacob is privy to the conversation of Laban's sons in verse 1. They accuse him of taking what God has given him by way of divine providence, which according to Hamilton would jeopardize their own inheritance. And here that we see Laban's, you know, we call this in, in America, in, in English language, we call this two-faced. Laban has changed his face. He's become two-faced towards Jacob. And then Yahweh speaks to Jacob and tells him to leave. Again, this is the Exodus motif where God sovereignly ordains his people being delivered out of the hands of a tyrant. Listen, if you, now I want to be careful. There's nothing the devil can do in this world without permission from God. He's God's devil. But someday you're going to be delivered from the tyrant that God has allowed to wreak havoc in this world. You're going to be delivered from that. Praise God for that. Praise God. But here, Again, here we see the Exodus motif. The Exodus. We are going to also be involved in the Exodus motif, right? The last Exodus, right? Absent with the body, present with the Lord, right? So he changed Jacob's wages continually. This would again relate to Moses, showing that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Remember how many times Pharaoh would Jet, would, would Moses, how many times he changed? Do this. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And Jacob calls Leah and Rachel, verse four and five, and reiterates what has been revealed to him by God and acknowledges his service to their father and how he has cheated him. And then he explains to his wives how it was that he, Jacob, was able to obtain all the speckled and spotted sheep. It was God who ordained this. What a God, man. God controlling all the events in this world. Listen, man, I'm telling you, you got to grab hold of this because I don't, whatever, and I don't want to be like one of them, whatever. Whatever's going on in your life, listen, God is not surprised. In fact, 
He's ordaining it, Jan, Harry. Whatever's going on in your life, God is ordaining it for his good and his glory. Whatever it is, Mark, it don't matter because he's able to take what some people think for evil and make it good. That's the God we serve. He's, he's the great, I want to be careful, but he's the great manipulator. He's the one who can turn things around. See, it isn't going to be, I don't let me start with them dudes in Washington, but those guys ain't turning around nothing. Only God can turn around. I don't care what they say, how they say it, only if God ordains it. This is what's happening. This is the lesson we need to learn here. Only if God ordains it. Really, really important to see this. I want to give you a worldview, a God worldview. For God tells Jacob, I am the God of Bethel who told you that you return to the land of your kin. This is God's timing showing that God has ordained all that will happen. Showing God is with Jacob. Think about Joseph who spent several years in confinement as God was setting up his purposes, gifting Joseph in dreams for one purpose, so that by God's grace he would establish a people by having food and sustenance. A very people who are leaving the land now, this would be the eventual line where Christ would come. I mean, think about this. Do you understand? I say this so many times at nauseam. This is not Paul's time. It's not Moses' time. It's Mike's time. And it's Harlan's time. And it's, and it's Harry's time. It, this is our time. What did Mordecai tell Esther? For such a time as this. This is our time. We're going to be responsible how we live in this world, how we are governed by God, and how we are being obedient to his mandate. This is our season. This is our time. And again, we, and we read the word of God because we turn around and say, man, look what God is. I call here, let me say this. God is the divine chess player. He moves pieces around in this world for his elect. Nothing happens by chance for God's people. All are ordained by God. Just think about our own lives. What God has done for you over the years. Months and days. He's a God with a plan. Nothing will thwart it. And Rachel and Leah now understand what's happening all along. Their father had robbed their dowry. The money he should have paid Jacob should have gone to his daughters. Laban's deal was underhanded, giving his daughters away without giving them their dowry. But what made Laban laugh would eventually make him cry. Unless he thinks he can fight against God. And the sisters now realize this was all God's doing. We've mentioned on so many occasions, listen, I I don't care. I'm Italian, I repeat myself, but you have to hear this. You can never look ahead towards providence, only back. You don't know when God is moving, Sue, but you can turn around and say, you know what? I look back on this and I know that was God. 
Dave, because we don't know, we live in a world, you know, we're saying be careful, but you know, Miss Ashley, you can say that many, three, four years ago, you came to that Bible study and said, that was the time that God ordained me to get back into church. You didn't know it that day, but you look back and that's how God providentially works. And and then again, God's providence. You can't look ahead, but you sure can look back. Remember Joseph? Joseph is sold into into slavery. He's in a a well and with who knows, snakes, whatever there was there. And then at the end of Joseph's life, he says, you know what, Cindy? What my brothers meant for evil, God meant for good. He didn't know that in the beginning. All he knows, he's in, he, he's got a girl uh, accusing him of rape and he goes to prison and, and he's saying, what the heck is going on? Then he realizes, he looks back and says, what my brothers meant for evil, God meant for good. Their father robbed their dowry, the money he should have paid. We've mentioned, and, and, and please hear this, it's no different for us. At times we may feel under the thumb, God is working, God is moving, and talk about moving. Last few verses here, let's go 17 through 21. This is quick and I'll go to the New Testament. But I, I just want to set this up for next week. Then Jacob arose. I love when you see that word arose, I, I love that. And put his children and his wives upon his camels, and he drove away all his livestock, all his possessions which he had accumulated, his acquired livestock, which he had accumulated in Padam Aram, in order to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. Now Laban had gone to shear his flock. Then Rachel stole the household idols that were her father's. We'll deal with that next week. And Jacob deceived Laban the Aramean by not telling him that he was fleeing. So he fled with all that he had, and he rose and crossed the river and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead or Palestine. Remember the movie, The Great Escape? Steve McQueen and James Garner? Well, here we see Jacob's great escape with his livestock, not Laban's, verse 17 and 18. And according to Fuchs, Rachel steals the objects of her father's desire, his household gods. More on that next week. There's a lot there. I don't have the time today. We see the divine author say that Jacob deceived Laban. Now, you got to understand something. If you understand your Old Testament, right away, now the divine author, now all along you'll hear, I want to be careful, Rachel Grimaldi, please, I'm not trying to be, okay. You'll hear a lot of preachers say about uh, uh, Jacob's a deceiver and, and all that. So, but here the divine author says that Jacob deceived Laban. Now, you have to understand some ramifications here because in holy war, deception is allowed. When you are in holy war, listen, anybody, was any war in here? Any fighting? I mean, you hide in foxhole? I mean, in holy war, deception is allowed. I mean, this is holy war. This Laban is trying to thwart God's plans. He can't thwart God's plans, but he's trying. So the Bible says that Laban had to deceive him. Uh, Jacob had to deceive him. It's holy war. And the Bible says that. Now, when the Bible says it, I'm going to comment on, on it. And because really, in, in cases like this, this is how it goes. Now, 
especially in defeating the enemy of God's people. This is holy war and Laban will be a defeated foe. There's also a Hebrew wordplay that we can explore. Hamilton depicts that Rachel stole Laban's gods and Jacob stole Laban's heart. A double whammy against Laban, who again, Laban, who again is a defeated foe. Basically, what Laban had meant for evil, God would mean for good and his glory. And we'll read next week again, God is in controlling the narrative for his people. Let us be, be mindful of this in our own lives. No matter the circumstance, if God be for us, who can be against us? What a God we serve. This is God's divine drama concerning Jacob. So think about this. Jacob escapes one tyrant, his brother Esau, finds himself in the hands of another tyrant, his so-called uncle Laban. But all this will work out for Jacob, and Jacob would, by, by God's grace, be at peace with all his enemies, but he's got to deal one more time with who? Esau. She's, listen, when you read that, Esau's coming with 400 men. You know some, but we'll deal with that in a couple of weeks. The Bible depicts that when a man's ways are pleasing to Yahweh, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. Romans 8, let's close out Romans 8, and then we'll kind of tie this up with the New Testament. Let's go to Romans 8. And I don't have it in my Bible. I mean, I have Romans. I don't have it marked out. I better have Romans in my Bible, right? Romans 8, just... We should know these verses here, but I, I, but I want this to line up. I want the New Testament control to line up for what we just read because the Bible is one story and we got to be careful. I've said this a million times, especially you come to this church. We preach Old Testament and New Testament. We're not a, just the New Testament. We don't watch this line up. Now think about these verses that we're going to think talk about in light of what we just read. Because remember Paul, by way of the Holy Spirit, all Paul had was the Old Testament. So when he writes this, you think about some of the stuff we just spoke about. Tell me you don't think Paul may be thinking about this story that we just spoke about. Starting in verse 28. 8 and 28. And we know That for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Because those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. And those who he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. These are all past tense words in the Hebrew, in the Greek. All past tense. If you are one of God's people today, you're already in heaven in his eyes. That's what that language says. Praise God. Hello. I mean, no, that ain't going to. Oh, thank you. I mean, if you are born again right now in God's eyes, you are in heaven. Okay, that's better. What the heck? Okay. Okay, here's a, what that what what shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who's against us? He who indeed did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? 
Nobody can bring a charge against you. Nothing. Right? I mean, think about that. Nobody can charge you because you're God's. God is the one who justifies. He's the one who, he's the one who condemns. Jesus Christ is he, is he who died, yes, rather was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. He's praying for you right now. Glinda's going, thank God. Who will separate us from, watch this. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will affliction or turmoil or progression or famineness or famineness, na- famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are putting, we are put, being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter, just like Jacob was. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquered through him who loved us from convinced Harlan, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, any other created thing, not even yourself, will be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Are you kidding? Not even you. If you are one of God's people, not even you. Nothing. Well, praise God, I want to jump around. Dr. Haney depicts that God works everything for good in the believer's life. In fact, God does this in the best interest of his children. Now, there's a lot here. There's no way I can exegete this whole section of Scripture. I'll be here for three days. But but just think of what happened in Jacob's life. All the twists and the turns of his life would eventually work out for good. What about you? What about all the things that happened in your life, but you knew you looked back and said, God worked that for good? Because God is sovereign over all of history. Nothing happens by chance. All things happen by way of God's providence. Nothing can separate us from his love, not even you. And because of the ones whom he foreknew before the foundations of the world, those would be conformed to the image of his son. Give Jacob a break, man. He's going to be conformed just like you are. Be careful with your brothers and sisters. They're being conformed. Some quicker than others, but that's okay. And so then we become image bearers by his sovereign grace. In fact, the ones that he justified or saved are the ones he also glorified. In God's mind, you're already a glorified people, a heaven-bound people. What a picture. Those verbs are in the, are in the past tense. When he saves Devon, when he saves Mike, when he saves Harlan, and when he saves Rachel and Terry, he already sees them in heaven. Do you understand this language? And Laban thinks he can fight against Jacob. Are you kidding? If God be for, if God be for us, who can be against us? Now think about this. Haney says if God did not control all, de- all details in life, he cannot make the promises that all things work together for good. In fact, God has determined these things in advance. We're not robots. We're not robots. We see the human side and the divine side played out. Those who love God, human side, for those he has called, divine side. These are the things, this is the antinomy, the sovereignty of God, the responsibility of man. Spurgeon says you can't put them together, but they're there. Praise God. 
God uses everything in our lives to bring this about. In fact, Jacob was a prime example. And the only one who has a right to bring a legal acquisition against, the, against people is God, not Laban. Nobody can accuse you. You understand that? Nobody. If God is justified, even Satan can't accuse you. In fact, we have read no one in the entire universe can undo what God has accomplished. In fact, nothing could ever separate us from the love of God who are in Christ. Jesus looks at Jacob 500 miles from home. Took, looked at Jacob 500 miles from home and he brought him back. And while we were yet sinners in our bondage like that of Jacob, Christ died for us, setting us free from sin and death. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, present things to come, not even ourselves can separate us from the love of God. The Bible says we're more than conquerors. That's why the Bible says this. Come to me, all you are heavy laden, I will give you rest. But nobody can come to the Father. Nobody can come to the Son unless the Father ordains it. Try to figure that out. That's why we're not God. But you know what? If you are one of God's people, you'll be one. Say that again. Sealed. I like that word. With, sealed with what? The Holy Spirit, right? Sealed with the Spirit of God. Not even yourself. I love that. Because if it was up to me, I would do it. Rachel, not even you can take yourself away from the love of God. You need to, man, you need to hold on to that. But don't be like Paul said, that you sin, there may grace may abound. Just be thankful that you're one of God's people because he owes us, just like what we said in Bible study, he owes us absolutely nothing. Let's stand. Dear Lord, you are a great God. We're so thankful mindful of what you've done for us on that cross. What a lesson. And there's going to be times, whether it was 400 years for the Israelites, 20 years for Jacob, there's going to be times in our life that we're going to be under the gun. We live in a sin-soaked world. But let us leave today as we sing out. Let us leave today Thinking that, knowing that no matter what happens, nothing can snatch us out of your hands. Nothing, death nor life, even ourselves. Because you are God and there is no other. And maybe, listen, maybe there's someone, I'm, I, I want to be fanciful, you know what's better here, but maybe there's someone today in this room is saying, am I really one of God's people? Listen, you don't got to walk an aisle. You need to repent and tell God, Lord, I am sorry that I've put myself first, my family first. You need to go to the Lord and you need to beg, beg forgiveness of him. And even as Christians, at times, maybe we've been wavering. We haven't been in our word enough. And we look at these scriptures and say, oh, God, look where you brought me from. And how I have forgotten that. Lord, please, for believers, give us the heart of conviction. 
The fruit, it's a fruit. It's a gift of repentance. And if there's non-believers that just come in the church because <clears throat> it's Sunday, give them that spirit like a child. Let them be born again right this minute and repent and say, God, I need you. Like a child, now I have found my father by grace. In closing, but let us pray for the Labans of this world that are still alive today who think that they are in control of their own lives. Let them pray because we have family members like Laban. Maybe not as mean, but we have family members that are not saved. Friends that don't know you, Lord. Let us be careful, not judgmental. Let us pray for them. Our family, our friends, who are good people, we love them, but nobody's good but God, I know. But we love them. We want to see them saved. Let us intercede for them. Jeremiah says, where was the intercessor? So, in closing, Lord, bless this congregation. Lord, as they leave here today, as we sing out, bless them and keep them. Honor them, not because of who they are, Lord, but who they are in Christ. Give them a blessing, Lord. Let them know just in a fresh way that you love them. We all need it. I need it. Rachel needs it. Terry needs it. Dave needs it. Ashley needs it. And everybody else does. And again, for our unsaved family members, Lord, please, please send somebody. Usually they don't listen to us, but send somebody with your word. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Again, this is Pastor Dominic Romaldi, where we take theology and we bring it to the streets. Hope you enjoyed the sermon. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. You can visit Pastor Dom at Desert Sky Baptist Church at 891 West Corson Road, Casa Grande. And for more information, visit us online at www.desertskybaptist.org. Music